Das ist der Customer Experience Podcast CX Tuning Hacks. Ich bin Peggy, Peggy Amelow. Von mir erfährst du alles über Customer Experience, das richtige Kundenmindset und wie du mit ganz einfachen Hacks und Tricks wertvolle Lebensmomente für deine Kunden schaffst. Bonus Dias aus dem Podcaststudio hier in Barcelona. Herzlich willkommen zu einer Special Edition von CX Tuning Hacks. Ich habe mir heute einen ganz besonderen Gast eingeladen. Und zwar habe ich mir eingeladen Wilhelm von Rosens. Er ist Manager der Hospitality und Tourism Managing School of Luxury Management hier in Barcelona and Paris. Das ist eine Schwesterschule hier in Barcelona, zusammen mit der aus Paris. Und Wilhelm erzählt uns in dieser Folge über seine Karriere, über seine Erfahrungen und zwar bei dem Unternehmen, das die Customer Experience, das Kundenerlebnis, ich würde sagen, am meisten geprägt hat von allen. Da fing Customer Experience an, da wurden Erlebnisse mit Emotionen gefüllt, da wurden Kindheitsträume wahr. Wilhelm von Rosen erzählt uns von seiner Erfahrung bei Disney. Disney feiert dieses Jahr 100 Jahre Anniversary, Jubiläum und wir tauchen genau in diesen Film ein. Ich wünsche dir viel Spaß. Ich möchte noch vorab sagen, die Folge ist in Englisch. Ich hoffe, das passt für dich. Enjoy. And you as a director of a luxury management school, the campus here in Barcelona, we were getting together and talking about future of hospitality. And of course, we were touching the topic of Disney. Mm. mentioned that Disney is celebrating 100 years of anniversary this year. Yeah. How special. Yeah. This will be the topic of today's live podcast mm. here at CX Tuning Hacks, a first time in English. But I think the audience is very comfortable with speaking and listening to an English podcast. Yes. So, warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you. William van Rosen. Yes, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's nice to be with you. And many, some years ago, I was on your podcast. It was in the middle of the, the COVID, I think. I, I once joined you when it hit us. And you had this very interesting discussion with how with hoteliers. I think it was from Switzerland and Germany, how they were coping and trying to make it work. Yeah, you were always ahead of the game, I think, Peggy, and all of these things, and uh, front runner, no? So it's nice to join you now in, in, your, in your podcast, too. Thank you for inviting me. You are very welcome, and thank you for your words. Yes, I'm trying to, let's say, be always in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Yes, and what we have, the, the challenge, William, we met several years, years ago when we met in a hotel management school here in Barcelona and we were mm. educating students. Now, yeah. my question is, you have worked with Disney. Is mm. Disney or was Walt Disney the same that Caesar Ritz was for Ritz-Carlton? Yeah. So, yeah, talking about frontrunners, of course, Disney was a complete, well, Disney, the man was complete, yeah, disruptive force. We now look back on it and, yeah, great, but The man, of course, had has gone through an incredible, yeah, renaissance. He had a very tough youth. He, his father was, uh, well, uh, abusive. He had a rough childhood. And I think that kind of, for him, not having this good father-son relationship, I think that's already a learning uh, for all of us. Not be bitter, but perhaps take the negative things out of your life and 
tried to give them a positive spin. So he said, I want to be the perfect father and or a good father because I never had one. So he always had always the family in mind. So even, of course, he was a very smart businessman. He always had also other motives, not just making money, but really also to save the family because he saw already in the 50s of the last century, the decline of the family as a tradition or as the cornerstone of society. And he always wanted to protect that. So there was always an underlying motive, of course, being uh, successful, and but also do something for the people and give help them, families to come together, right? So that was really the underlying yeah, mission for him. So also have another motive, right? Really, yeah, a, a more ethical. Right? I think that's the, the nice thing of Walt Disney. You can combine business and profit and also do good to society, right? It doesn't always have to go, I have to go over dead bodies in order to be successful. I think that's already very inspiring for all of us. You can do both and be successful and also be a force of good in, in the world, right? So I think that's important for him. But yeah, he was a, such a disruptive force. I mean, he he did so many things that were never done before. The first time he started, of course, cartoonists making little movies. The first one to do it in color, those, those cartoons that was never done before. So he was always was going had beyond, always pushing the envelope. And then he came with, with his brother. He started, and now 100 years ago, Roy and Walt together started a company. And that's why we're also a reason, one of the reasons of success was they were a very balanced, as we would say nowadays, management team. So Walt Disney was the creative genius. The brother but, and him. and No, him and his brother, yeah. And Roy was the financial mm-hmm. guy. So yeah, Roy was mm-hmm. the financial guy. So they kept each other in balance because if you're just an accountant, just looking at money, where can I cut costs? And and that's, of course, the beginning of the end. We have to be smart, of course. I don't waste money and resources. But also, that's not only, but also if you're perhaps only with your head in the sky all the time, like a Peter Pan, and you have to also come down to earth. So they were very balanced. So I think that was also the one of the reasons of success. Of course, looking at the financial side, but never cut, never affect the guest experience or how to be better. Always pushing the envelope. Walt Disney was very restless. He always wanted to do better. And he was never happy with, with where he was with the status quo. And sometimes it cost him, right? He been, he went bankrupt twice. We Perhaps we don't, we always think these people, they have the Midas touch and whatever they touch becomes gold. He went bankrupt and he made some major failures, but he learned from that and he stood up and came back even better and stronger. So also another thing, learning point for all of us. And then, yeah, he was, of course, becoming very successful with his movies, a really storyteller. I think Walt Disney was a, a storyteller at heart. But then he had an, a, a heart attack and his doctor told him, Walt, you should take it slow and let your executives run the movie company and you spend some more time with your family. And that's what he did. So he went with his daughters. He took them one day to a fairground, a, a typical amusement park of that time. And he was sitting on a bench with the popcorn and his girls in a merry-go-round. And he said, yeah, okay, my girls are having fun. I'm so bored. It's a drag and it's dirty here and nasty. And these employees were not fun. And the popcorn is stale. And why isn't there a nice place to bring your family? Where is, why is another place, a, a wonderful place where a family can come together and everyone has a great time. The parents, the children, the grandchildren, the grandparents, everyone. And his creative juices started to flow, and that was the birth of Disneyland. And I think Walt, in that sense, is also the father of the experience economy, in that sense of try to, of course, experience have been there since 
the beginning of mankind, but to monetize it, to create something that is memorable and make money out of it. I think that was Walt Disney, one of the very first to do that. So when he went to the banks to get money, he didn't get a dime because they said, Mr. Disney, you, a normal amusement park, I don't know, you have a bunch of roller coasters and attractions and it costs, let's say, 10 million or 100 million or whatever it is, let's say 10 million, particularly those days, but you are going to do, you need double that. Why? Why do you need double that amount? Because he, of course, wanted to tell a story. He wanted to tell a story through the attractions, right? It was not just a bunch of rides. He Everything had to tell a story. So it had to be the architecture and the design and the music and the clothing, the food, everything had to be part of that totally immersive fantasy experience, right? That takes people away from their daily troubles, right? Put them inside the movies, the stories that he created. And then the bank said, yeah, but that means that you have to charge double than other parks. And we don't think people are willing to pay that. So no one wanted to lend him one dime. So he put the whole company at risk. He put his private fortune, his houses, his company, he put it all on the line to to get as a to make to get the money to start mm-hmm. and if it had gone wrong, it would have been the end of the Disney company. So no hundred years experience. But it didn't. No, we all know how that <laughs> turned out, right? Yes. It became a massive success as of day one. And it was the beginning of a huge empire of theme parks all mm-hmm. over the world, right? And, and it started in California and Disney and Tokyo and then Europe and China and two parks. And so, yeah, it's this uh, the beginning of an incredible because- success story. Huh? Yeah. We all know Disney from, let's say, if you say the name Disney, everyone thinks about Mickey Mouse. This is where it re- immediately kicks in. Yeah. No, And maybe if you're a little bit more advanced, you think about Frozen or mm. yeah, some other movies. Yeah. But there's so much more. It's truly an empire, yeah. a huge business yeah. with parks, media companies, resorts. Cruise line. Yeah. Yeah. Cruise, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. I don't know if you want to add something or if I forgot something, but it's massive, yeah, let's yeah, say. Yeah. No, it's what you say. It's the, perhaps the biggest entertainment and media corporation at this point. Yeah. And yeah, with the good so, sides and the bad, and perhaps we'll talk about also. Uh, yes. It, it has not course. always, and it's not a, a perfect story. And perhaps we'll get into that but, later. But Yeah. But before we go into what yeah. is the actual situation of Disney yeah. that yeah. we want to, of course, also talk about, yeah. I would like from you maybe to boil down what are the five, according to you, five most important, let's say, takeaways or achievements of Disney. I mean, yeah. you mentioned one, you said storytelling, but yeah. It's, of course, storytelling and also understanding that what you are selling is not a product or a service. It's really an experience. It's selling happiness. That's really understanding that those of us who are in hospitality and and retail, we're not selling rooms, we're not selling meals, we're not selling clothing. No, we have to understand that we're selling Happiness, we give people, we add to people's quality of life. We give them moments, hopefully, that they will never forget or not easily forget with their friends and family and things that will stay with them for life and and therefore have better lives in a way and more happier lives. So it's, I think, understanding that we're in the business of happiness. I think that's an, an incredible takeaway we have to understand. What else 
the importance of the employee, uh, the cast member, as it's called in Disney, right? We're all car- part of it. Uh, we're uh, there to put on a show. And that's kind of the idea, right? Of course, Disney started as an entertainment company, and that is still in all in, in its vocabulary, in its vision, in its value. So we're here to put on a show, and we need a cast to do that. So you're always on stage. That's another use an employee. You're in a role. Ah, I like that. Yeah. You're on a stage with your guests. Mm-hmm. And the public areas were always were called on stage, and the employee areas were called backstage. It's really, we're on stage and backstage. And when you are on stage, ah. you have to put on your role, right? And you have to be properly dressed. Disney, although nowadays mm-hmm. it's become a little bit more relaxed, perhaps lax in those things. Disney look, certain faux pas, you have to be properly dressed and groomed and a uniform that matches your your themed environment, even the hotels and everything is themed, right? It's all an extension of the experience, right? That was also when Disney started to build its own hotels outside the park. It wasn't just a, a place to lay your head, but really to extend that magical experience beyond the park, right? To continue that in, in the hotel. So also the employees there. And yeah, I rem- you know, in the morning, you're a little bit, when you started you know, as a manager, you're a little like a general, right? You salute the troops and you check the clothing or the uniforms proper. Do they all wear the lineup? Tag, lineup. The, 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 that's a big thing in, in Disney. Yeah? You all have your name tag. And of course, nowadays, yeah, you can say even that McDonald's has name tags. But at that time, when Disney started in the 50s, that was not very common. And also, at that first name basis, hey, we everyone calls each other at first name. So even your general manager. And again, nowadays, it seems to be a little bit more accepted or 10, was, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Revolutionary. That, no. Yeah, yeah. Revolutionary. It, it was Walt. And yeah. no one could say, Mr. Disney, that's my father. So there's very transparent, easygoing world or approachable relationship between management and employees equal, right? We're at the same level. Yeah? You're not a slave or a subordinate. And we're all in the same team. I think that's really important to have that open door policy. So the role of the employees Super important. When I started working for Disney, well, particularly in in the United States, I started, by the way, in Disneyland Paris. And after a couple of years, I was a little bit spotted, scouted by some of the American executives. At that time, at Disney was, I was there in the beginning phase of Disneyland Paris. The Americans still a big role after that, that became less. Now they actually, America has taken back Disney, Disneyland Paris. But at that time, there was still also a lot of executives. So they said, hey, William, you should come and join us and go to the mothership, if you will. And that's what I did. But so when I went to Walt Disney World in Florida, and I had my first meeting with my boss, my leader, he took me for lunch in the hotel restaurant and said, Willem, we have one rule at Disney. And in a sense, it capitulates everything, perhaps our entire podcast, if you will, the entire takeaway, take care of your cast, take care of your team. Your team will take care of the guests. And the guest will take care of the bottom line. It's that simple and that complex at the same time. That's the whole secret of success. So the, understanding the role, the importance of the employee. And so Disney does, particularly, I have to add, of course, when I go talk about my situation, it's, it has been a little bit a while back. It's in a way, perhaps it was the golden age of Disney. It was right before 9-11. So and we're in many ways, we're living on a different planet and perhaps also Disney at that sense. So I know that things have watered down and 
And that's, by the way, another challenge eh, that we should never, and we perhaps can talk about it later on, and we should never let things slide. We have to always keep it up. And But even big companies like Disney not always do that. But when I was there, and I think we can all learn from that, whether we are in Disney or not, is put a lot of effort in Disney. So in the staff, my boss said, yeah, take care of your employee. They take care of the guests and the guests take care of the bottom line. So your employee, they said, hire right, train right, treat right. I think those were the three pillars for hire the right people, really based on attitude. When I had my my interviews, it was really more a psychological analysis. Okay, they were looking at certain values and skill sets and rather than perhaps your experience per se, although it's nice. And of course, they want to, if you like Disney, that's great if you're a fan of Disney. But I remember I, I, I got to know my spouse, my wife in Disney. And when she joined Disney, oh, I didn't know. Uh, yeah. Didn't so know. I have a lot of yeah reasons to be grateful to Disney in that sense. And perhaps she wasn't the biggest Disney fan in the world, but she was intrigued, of course, but she was a very passionate hospitality professional. So you don't have to be necessarily a super Disney fan, but it's nice. But it was more the attitude, the approach that you have to yeah. To be part to of something. Guests. Yeah, to be, yeah. And that is, and the rest we you can learn, right? We can all, I've opened three hotels. I can teach a monkey how to do a check-in, not really, but it's yes. uh, it's not that complicated, but I cannot teach you how to smile. You do or you don't. So Disney is uh, firmly believes, or at least believed, believes in that, the importance of the attitude, the, the mindsets, and then the rest we learn. They have been in super extensive training, eh? I know in a lot of other companies where I worked, okay, they hire when you. you and- when you say yeah. super, because I could have interrupted you many times before, but I will come to yeah. that back. Sorry, later. sorry. I but when, when you know, it's very interesting also. But now, when you say, for example, a very intensive training, yeah, what does it mean? So explain that. Yeah, first of all, you have the onboarding. Yeah, so it's called for two days, yeah, you are immersed in, and it's part of, you don't start working in any place. Yeah, you first are of two days in being immersed in, in training about the history, the vision, the value of Disney, a lot of storytelling, a lot of also practical things and doing, what's the words? They put you in a scene and you have to act out. Why do, can I not find the word? Yeah, this theater, this, yeah. when you have to do this acting. Um, yes, you have to kind of act out, right? They put yeah. you in position, how yes. you feel uh, with mm-hmm. those kind of things. They take you through the park to really kind of get you all excited, hey? because uh, you only you have one. The first impression we always talk about from the guest experience. Important the first impression is key, but for your staff, it's the same. What is the first impression they have of the organization, right? So you want to wow them. Hey? You want to wow your guests, and we'll talk about the guest experience later on. But you also wow your staff hey? that they're really excited and pumped to be part, as you say, of something bigger than just checking in guests putting food on a table right they, yes they have a really a role to play in their team right so that's the first thing and then and of course i started i was in the rooms division so for instance training the first thing you go a week on training for the software system the pms you go in a classroom setting with real computers you're not with a teacher and you go a week long through the pms system and you have an exam at the end so you have to pass it Otherwise, you cannot go to the front desk. So you have that first week. Then you go to your hotel as a receptionist, right? And then you have a buddy. You have like a trainer with you. And the first week, you just, you stand one week, you're just shadowing. You're just watching how your colleague is checking in, checking out, taking payments, blah, blah, blah. And you're just observing, perhaps taking notes, 
or mental mm-hmm. notes. Then the week after, so we're already three weeks, uh, that's the third week, it's they shift, uh, they do it around. So now you have to do the check-in and you have your colleague standing eight hours with you and correcting you, helping you out. So how many, I, I no hotel company wherever they had, and that's with just frontline staff, right? So I'm not talking about management training and for managers. That's super. That's a good sentence that you just said that yeah. no other hotel that you have ever worked after had that because this is, let's say, if I would approach my clients that are private hotel hotels or companies or yeah. if I would come to them and say we have to do three weeks onboarding program with only watching and trying yeah. the technique yeah. they would say Peggy sorry but you are out of this century let's say yeah. Yeah. but at the same time it is so powerful because also at Ritz-Carlton we had that we had yeah. also a very strong onboarding process yeah. I'm sure also these days it's a little bit more flexible and agile, but due to the fact that we have less stuff available. Yeah. But yeah. fact is, and what we can learn from yeah. this day, make a summary that yeah. onboarding is yeah. key to success. Yeah. And I can tell you, after those three weeks, these employees were war machines. They were ready to take on and because I worked in other hotels and, and it's normal. You start in the front desk and you screw up and you charge too little or too much or which also cost the company money guest frustration management frustration disney would not do that they're a business they wouldn't do that just for the love of hospitality although there is a certain particularly in the beginning there is of course a certain ethical moral but also they know it makes sense as mm-hmm. but also sense c-e-n-t-s right so disney does so you hire good training also Having be allowed to have a guest experience, so we had the we part of the training is staying one night on property. Have the guests eat in the hotel restaurant, sleep in the guest. So you have to understand the guest perspective, and you can say, "But and I was working in a five star hotel, and five star is luxury. That's what a waste of money. Why would you put your people there? No, but it wows them. And they remember for myself, I said, "I'm working such a beautiful hotel, beautiful facility. So my service has to equal. I have to also." So it drives you to really give your very best and also being grateful to the company that they put all this time and money in you. So you want to give back, right? You want to give back to the company, you want to give back to the guests. So it it pays back tenfold, these kind of investments. And at the end of the day, what does it cost a hotel to put someone on one night? If you look at the real cost, it's not that. And it's money spent, I would say. So having all that, so great training, And then appreciation. I had a cast member appreciation account. That means I was budgeted as a manager X amount of money that I could spend on my team. Just to give you an example, if Mm -hmm. I was a front office manager, right? If we had a very rough or tough, because Disney, it's Christmas every day, right? You have to act and you have to, because people come there. Full every day. Full every day, basically. Yeah, but also that, but people also are... At Christmas, they come there, perhaps some people come there and once in a lifetime experience, right? Because it's very yes. expensive. So yes. people have tower high, mile high expectations and, and you have to deliver the goods, right? So you have to be at your finest every day. And But at the end of the day, we're all humans and you have 100, 120 check-ins and 
200 checks out. That's all, you know, it's tiring on the people, right? So if we had a, a tough shift, I usually had the afternoon shift eh, from three to 11. And I saw my people drown or, or also did a great job. And what I could do, I would call the restaurant and I say, okay, bring me 10 pizzas and charge them to my guest cash appreciation account. And I would get real pizzas, not frozen stuff, but guest pizzas. And we had a very nice ice ice cream parlor. And I would, or I would on a hot day, uh, 25 beautiful ice creams. And, and as a little thank you for your team. And I remember the first time I did that. So I, uh, the next day, my, my boss came to me and said, Willem, I saw that were char- you used your cash appreciation account. I said, oh, here we go. And then she said, Willem, I'm sure your team deserved it. So well done. That was really nice said that you have that freedom to take care of your people. But it really, it's not just blah, blah, blah. I had real money, real. We would do all kinds of events. Also, I would spend time with them. I had once a month, I had to sit down with my employees and just a conversation. We really book rendezvous in the calendar and sit down with them. How are they doing? Personal, professional, how we can help them. We'd also do an annual professional development program. What do, how do they see themselves? Where do they want to go? Do they want to stay? Do they want to move on? And try to help them. So they really had a structure in place to, to help people grow and feel appreciated. Empowerment, by the way, it's another thing. Employees had, well, almost complete freedom to do whatever they felt was fit. Like you have in your Rich Carlton, mm-hmm. if they felt that they had to do something that they could do. But of course, at the end of the shift, I would go over that with them and I would have to sign off. But, and of course, sometimes people make mistakes, right? It's, and, but I remember one day that the guest complained about the weather. They, it was raining and they demanded their money back from the park. So the employee, my cast member, actually returned the money, reimbursed. And then I said, hey, listen, perhaps next time, at the end of the day, we're not God. We're not in charge of the weather. So don't do that again. Just say, I'm sorry and move on. And so people make mistakes. You have to accept that when you empower people at the beginning, it's a learning process. But after that, that happens once. And then... Was there an amount, a fixed amount? No, but uh, no, not like 2,000 with you, 2,000 euros or dollars, whatever it is called. No, there was no amount, but to be honest, it never really would go that far. It was often little yes. things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was more, let's say, that you were mentally also uh, yeah. strong and ready yeah. to make the decision yeah. Yeah. To, to not, let's say, give it to someone else. As this no, no, guest no. was having some problems, can you deal with it? Yeah. Back to what you said, the guest came with huge expectation yeah, yeah. and full of enthusiasm and yeah. curiosity to stay with you. So yeah. now when you say, for example, you reach that wow moment, yeah. exceeding those expectations, how you did it, how, what you did. That's, of course, the trick, isn't it? To constantly have to try to you know to, to exceed expectations, but how do you do that? It's again, it's hiring the right people who want to do that. I remember that if I was in, in, in the parks, sometimes on your day off, you would go to the parks. Actually, I remember, particularly when I was in, in working Disneyland Paris, sometimes I know you had a rough day. And uh, I would sometimes just, we had unlimited access to the parks, right? So I would go to the park and perhaps buy a little chocolate chip cookie and then go to Space Mountain, have a roller coaster experience. And then I would have de-stress was my detox moment the thing is to constantly I think it's a kind of so having we were constantly also 
pumping up each other in that sense. We're challenging each other because we had these very nice initiatives. If people did something nice, we would write them out as a manager. We had a take five. And it was, we would have managers would have little cards and, and it was a take five or a take five moment. So I would write their name and, and a thank you and why. And I would give it to them. And one was for them and one half, I was double, I would keep myself. And we would put it on a big board in the backstage area, close to the employee cafeterias and where, so we would publicly acknowledge if we saw an employee doing something nice and everyone's was kind of always looking what are the, the fun things or the great things that people did today. And that kind of people feed off each other and say, oh, what's nice. So they applauded you or they said, oh, I, I read that. So it's helping each other constantly go above and beyond, right? So it's not necessarily that it was like a mandate, but it was something that we were contagious each other in a way. We were challenging each other to constantly go uh, above and beyond. But again, that rewarding and recognizing, saying thank you if you do if something, does something great, and that wants you, you just know, to do, go do more the next time around. So You were working a lot with values also of the company, the values, let's say. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, we have, I yeah. have them here. It's like yeah. optimism, innovation, decency, quality, community, mm. and storytelling. Yeah. So, yeah, we had yeah all of these things uh, and the values, and we we were also constantly reminding our team, right? Kind of, I think, what you do at, at, at Ritz-Carlton, too, right? At the beginning of the shift. We the have culture little... was strong. Yeah, it's you say the word, right? It's a culture, and uh, but you have to, just you being German, I'm Dutch, and if you don't main, if you don't, you have to maintain that culture by all kinds of activities and traditions and things like that. So otherwise, the, the culture is going to water, wither and die. Right? So constantly remind people of the fact that we are Disney and the vocabulary, again, as I said, we're cast members, right? We're on stage. If I saw, for instance, someone do something nice, my, I would say that's a good show. That's a Disney expression. It means that it was a good guest experience. You did something cool for the guest. Hey, well, that was a good show. Or what something was not as good as it should be. Peggy, be careful there. That was a bad show. Bad wasn't necessarily ah. bad, but bad is not great. Ah, okay. Also, we don't settle like. for mediocrity. In a way, good is not good enough. It's only good when it's, wow, when it's above and beyond. That's good. And so you is- have to constantly, you have to, of course, as a manager, you have to show that. You, it's very easy to talk. You have to give, mm-hmm. you have to lead by example. But the, So you have to do it yourself. But then also when you see others, you reward and recognize people doing that. But it starts also with you uh, giving the right example as a leader, uh, as a manager. Yeah. Um, yeah there are so, then, so many things that, no, for example, also that at Disney, you paid also an, an attention on details. Because mm-hmm. you said that before, what was... Disney himself experienced when he was first time in a park, looking around and then seeing things dirty. That was also, to my mind, a big part of the experience. And sometimes, of course, at Ritz-Carlton, we had that also, or in in, Mm -hmm. in the companies that I've worked. But for example, four weeks ago, I was in a hotel. It was a beautiful hotel. It was a hotel in, in, in Berlin. It was really modern and everything but then of course when i looked around then this detail look you Mm -hmm. cannot get rid of it is okay then i saw 
on the flower vase when it's raining yeah. and then it has all that dirt from the yeah. bottom. Yeah. And then I walked to the bathroom and then I saw a <clears throat> hallway in the back. There were a pile of these from the chef, all these paper cartoons that yeah, yeah. I think he got a delivery and he left it just mm. there, just it was yeah. practical. Yeah. But me as a guest, I don't want to see that. No, and no. this is part of guest experience. And these yeah. are the details. And there are yeah. so many more. And yeah, there, I, found that, mm. I found that so, it's important yeah. to mention that yeah. because yeah. sometimes hotel experience or guest experience, yeah. like you de describe it, yeah. seems so easy to make seems so easy to design. Mm. But when you say we are on stage, I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you have a role to play. And, and it's the same, you go to a theater, yeah. And, and particularly if so much money is spent, because Disney spent more often on, on dressing things up because some of these rides, let's say attractions, they are partially designed, but in a way, certain rides you can buy, right? You can buy off the shelf, although Disney does not a lot of design. But sometimes they buy existing attractions, but then they spend millions literally on dressing them up and make them look nice. So is everything looks so beautiful, if you then see something, just a little detail that's not, it, it stands out immediately because everything is so beautiful, like with your vase. Everything, and so if you go to a kind of a sloppy place and just another little sloppy thing, you don't even notice. But if everything is so beautiful, then the moment there's something off, it, it screams. Yeah, it's red and blue. So with Disney, it's the same. For instance, cleanliness. It was very funny that Disney in the beginning was a little bit frustrated when he opened the park. There was a little bit trash on the floor. And so he went to the park. By the way, that's another thing. Walt Disney was really, I think, also a good leader. You cannot run a hotel or a restaurant from an office. You have to be out there. You have to ah. be with your team. And with no your remote. Guests. No remote. <laughs> no remote, no. So, and Walt Disney would go, he, would, he actually had an apartment in Main Street. He had his own apartment in the park. So he would often stay overnight and in the morning or in the evening and walk around as a, and dress up sometimes a little bit so he wouldn't be recognized by the mystery shopper. But anyway, he was sometimes observing, in the beginning, was observing the people and for instance, they had a chocolate bar, right? And then they had the chocolate, and then they had the paper or in their hand. And he would observe how long people would walk around, perhaps looking for a trash can, or and then they would drop it, right? So he found, and he would do that, that it was 10 meters. 10 meters that people would mostly walk before they would drop something. Then they gave up on if there's nothing now, whatever. So at Disney, every 10 meters, there's a trash can. Everywhere. And just as an example, that, that it, yeah, cleanliness is key. And also, um, mm -hmm. we are also taught as employees, we, it's funny, I say still we, it's 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's, 20, yeah. It's, like... it's 21 years ago. But that, but still, I still talk about, I still in somehow feel part of this company, right? We, we were taught that also, we are also responsible, we're also accountable for the product. So, for me, it was very normal to walk in the park, and if I would see trash, I would pick it up. It wasn't my trash, but also you feel, hey, this is not right, and this is, I have a sense of belonging. It's an, I feel part of this, so it's a little bit my home. So the people really feel engaged, and it's that employee engagement. You feel part of it. It's not just a place I go to clock in and clock out, do my job, and then move on. 
you really feel, yeah, it's kind of your home. So you you pick up trash at your house. I naturally would do the same too when I was at the park. Or one day, for instance, again, talking about that empowerment. I'm sorry that I throw all these stories at you, but I was once in the park and I saw a child on my day off. And I saw a child and they had a a little baby over four or five-year-old and they dropped their ice cream on the floor. Yeah, a small child. But I did. I would walk up to the ice cream parlor and I said, hey, I'm a cast member. The child dropped an ice cream. Can you give me another one? And I showed my little ID. And he would give me one and I would walk up to the child and give it to them. Here, I wasn't forced to do that. I wasn't, well, I wasn't paid to do that or I just, that's how you feel, right? That empowerment, that engagement that Disney manages, or at least managed, manages to create with the staff. Yeah, so it's a two-way street. So those kind of things yeah, are really key to success. And those are those, again, also small details that make a big difference. There's so many things, for instance, they have an attraction in Walt Disney World. It's called the House of, of uh, the Hall of Presidents. And all the presidents from the United States, uh, ranging from uh, Lincoln up to, I think, Biden, even is in there as well, are there as an uh, audio animatronic, as a robot, and they talk. And for instance, a little story all these puppets, for instance, they wear underwear in their uniforms, of, you know, in, in, as a puppet. They put them underwear. Why would you do that? No one sees, Why, you know. And it's all underwear, depending on the time of the, in the area when, you know, they're not wearing all uh, Ralph Lauren underwear. You know what I'm trying to say? Lincoln is wearing something where people were supposed, you know, those details that the guests will never see. Okay? Or there's a story that when President Trump was elected, they asked him what was his favorite tie. And they went to buy in the store in New York where his favorite tie. Why would you do that? No, no guest knows that. But... The, pe- the staff knows that, the employees know that, right? And it's kind of these little legends that people tell each other and share. And it kind of says that, hey, if we put so much effort and focus on details for these kind of unimportant things, how much eyes and staff members and employees, again, it rubs off, right? It's contagious. I should also be focused on details, right? In my encounters with the guests. So, yeah, so these kind of things are, yeah, really, yeah, you can say non-essential, but they become really essential. Ich hoffe, du hast diese Folge und Ausführungen von Wilhelm genossen, genauso wie ich. Bleib dran bei der nächsten Folge. Es geht gleich im Anschluss weiter mit dem zweiten Teil. Und da gehen wir nochmal ein, was die Gegenwart ja, bedeutet, auch bei dem Unternehmen Disney, was Resilienz heißt, was Customer Experience heute heißt und Service. Wir definieren auch nochmal den Servicebegriff näher. Bleib dran. TX Tuning Hacks kommt in zwei Wochen mit dem zweiten Teil.